What is going on, everyone? You're tuning into another podcast episode of Sports Talk Today with JJ. My name is Jason Joseph, and if you're new to my channel and if you're listening to me on YouTube, make sure that you like, subscribe, hit that notification bell icon, and comment down below at the end of this podcast. Now, if you're tuning into my podcast on Spotify, Anchor, or Apple Podcasts, or any of those other podcasting platforms, make sure that you leave me a review and that you email sportstalkwithjj at gmail.com. The email is also down below in the description link on my YouTube channel, and you can also find my other podcasting platforms on there too. I have to admit, it's been a long couple of days without watching the Phillies play some baseball. Of course, the Miami Marlins COVID outbreak happened, and now this is affecting the Phillies, who were supposed to play the Yankees on Monday to Thursday, and then the Blue Jays from from Friday to to, to Sunday. I can't even speak. But the Phillies' next game is scheduled for Saturday, where they're going to play a doubleheader against the Blue Jays. And now we have reports that two of the Phillies staff members were tested positive for COVID, and I'm just hoping that everyone's going to be healthy and they're going to be safe on Saturday. But I digress, because... I've also been watching a little bit of the Flyers and Sixers scrimmages that they've been playing. And I just don't really care about it as much. I really care about the games that come up when the Flyers have to play in the round robin tournament and when the Sixers have to play in the seeding games. Those are the games that I'm really going to be paying more attention to with both of those teams. The Sixers face the Pacers on Saturday and the Flyers face the Bruins on Sunday afternoon. But right now, I just need to talk about some Sixers basketball. We haven't really heard a lot from Joel Embiid since the NBA games were suspended back in March. He's been really quiet in the media and through the public eye. But last night, he was interviewed on the Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast with Michael Levin and Spike Eskin, which is a really great podcast, by the way. I encourage you all to go check it out. They love to talk about the NBA, and they've interviewed a lot of players who are a part of the NBA, and they just do a really nice job. But there were some certain things that were brought up in last night's podcast in particular that Joel Embiid spoke about, and I just want to talk about them, because he had some really interesting things to say. One of the first things that Mike and Spike brought up to Joel was they asked him about his first regular season game that he played in, and they wanted to know what that was like for him. The Sixers were facing the Thunder, and this was during the 2016-17 season where he had some really nice buckets. He made some shots off of Steven Adams, he got to the rim a few times, and eventually he showed off a little bit of his mid-range game that he was working on, and he had a really nice block off of Russell Westbrook. And here's something that I thought was really interesting that he said. He claimed that he was never a scorer. He never considered himself to be a scorer. He said that he was basically like a Rudy Gobert. Someone who would just catch lobs and score the basketball by attacking the rim and being a rim protector. Kind of like an old school big man. I don't really know if that was considered to be a shock to people because I think a lot of people knew that his game was really similar to Hakeem Olajuwon's and he watched Hakeem a lot and that was sort of his role model. But I almost forgot how much he's really expanded his game to the point where it just doesn't even surprise me where he just takes five threes during a game and... You know, you just don't really think about it. But even with his two years off when he was rehabbing, yeah, he would practice in the gym, making threes and making mid-range jumpers, but it wasn't like he was even playing five-on-five basketball or even three-on-three because he was just going through constant rehab and trying to focus on getting healthier. And it wasn't until his first NBA game where he actually realized he could be a scorer in this league. And not just a scorer, but one of the best scorers in this league which is just really insane. 
regardless of whether or not any of you think that he's completely overrated, and that's a whole nother discussion for another day. Some people say that he's not even a top five center or that he's not even a dominant big man or whatever, and that's just laughable to me. But you talk about a guy who literally didn't even start playing basketball until he was a teenager, 16 to actually be more specific. I just can't wrap my head around that. Usually when you're really good at something, you start off when you're small, right? It wasn't like those traditional great players who just picked up a basketball when they were like three years old and have just been playing throughout almost their entire lives. You know, even in baseball, you start off by playing t-ball and then you eventually work your way up to little league and then you play for the township and then you play for middle school varsity and then you go up to travel teams and you play for high school varsity and then either you go to college or then you go to the majors if you're really that good and if you want to declare for the draft. His story is just so different than other athletes that I have seen. It's unique. So the fact that he's only been playing basketball for 10 years, not even just at an NBA level, but basketball in general for just 10 years, it's just something that just shouldn't go unnoticed. And let's take a look at his 10-year overall basketball career. So as I just said, he's 26 years old now, and at 15 years old, being born from Cameroon, if you would have asked him what he wanted to do when he was older, he probably would have flat out told you that he wanted to play professional volleyball in Europe because he was just so good at it. And he was also really good at soccer too, but he wanted to play volleyball. So then here's someone who gets discovered playing basketball at Luke Mabaamute's camp. And Luke, who still plays in the NBA, he's a really good defensive player for the Houston Rockets, and he also plays for the Cameroon national team. So Luke discovers this guy. And after only picking up basketball for three months, Embiid comes to the U.S. and he plays for the Montverde Academy in Florida, which was Luke's former school. It's a pre-K to 12th grade school that has a really great athletic program. Then he's transferred to another school about a year later because he wasn't getting a lot of playing time. And the new school he transferred to was called the Rock School, which was also in Florida. And I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it's in Gainesville, Florida. Yeah, 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 it is. I had a little brain fart for a second, but I'm good. Um, So then he plays there for about three years, and then he just becomes this five-star recruit who committed to playing basketball for Kansas, college basketball. At one point, Joel did say on this interview that he was going to be playing for Kansas, he thought that he was going to be playing for Kansas for five years. He never would have thought that he was going to be a one-and-done, and guess what? He was. And not only was he a one-and-done, but he's a guy who was up for Naismith Player of the Year. He won Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. And he also made it to the Big 12 All-Newcomer team. Keep in mind, this is just five years after he started playing basketball. <laughs> So then he gets hurt, and in March of 2014, he suffers from a stress back injury, and he has to miss the Big 12 and the NCAA tournament. But then Sam Hinkie and the Philadelphia 76ers took him as the third overall pick of the draft. Now, I'm sorry, but if Embiid would have never had that injury, he probably wouldn't, and he wouldn't have had that surgery on a, on a bone in his right foot. I really believe that he would have been the number one overall pick, and he probably would have just went to the either the Cavs or the Bucks, because the Cavs took Andrew Wiggins and the Bucks took Jabari Parker, and the Sixers probably wouldn't have got him. Now, am I happy that the Sixers got him? Of course. And guess what? Injuries have been and will continue to be something to look out for when it comes to Joel Embiid. But moving forward, he sat out his rookie season with that broken navicular bone in his right foot, 
and he had a setback. And all of a sudden in his rookie season, which was the 2016-17 season, he just shined. He ended up playing like 31 games. And he just ended up having to miss the rest of the season, unfortunately, due to the torn meniscus that he had in his left knee. And for the next two seasons, he was an all-star, and he helped lead the Sixers to getting into the playoffs. He did that for two straight seasons, and he's been a two-time all-star. He did have to miss some time at the end of the regular season, which was two years ago, where he had an orbital fracture in his left eye. And I just remember that when he played against the Heat in the first round, he had to come on the court and he had this mask on. It was a Black Panther mask and he wore it after he got surgery in that left eye. And he was still dominant. But my point is, is that Embiid has had his ups and downs throughout his basketball career. But just by fighting through these injuries, it's just remarkable. And also kind of astonishing how he's just been able to fight through these things while only playing basketball for 10 years. It's just so rare that you see a superstar like this have this journey, and he's not even in his prime yet. But as a Philly fan base, we love Joel, but we're also hard on him, because we know how well he takes criticism, and we know how great of a player he truly is. I've been really hard on him, especially this season, because that's because I know he's capable of doing really great things. He will have those performances where he just explodes and he becomes unstoppable. But this season, especially, he's had games where he just doesn't make a lot of noise. And you might not notice it from the stat sheet, but if you actually watch these games, you would see how his gameplay varies. Sometimes he's disengaged and his mind is not in the game. And those are the types of games where I'm really critical over him because I know that he's just better than that. But going back to this podcast, Mike then asks him a question that's related to whether or not he still thinks about Kawhi's shot in Game 7 of last year's Eastern Conference semifinals. And just to paraphrase a little, he talked about how close they were and how they had the edge, but then he talks about how he got sick. And a lot of people reported that he was dealing with the stomach virus throughout the series. But listen to this. He said that the one thing that people didn't know is that during those playoffs, during that series... His knee was messed up. He couldn't jump. He couldn't run. And despite both of those things, he went out there and he pushed himself to give the Sixers a chance of winning. Now, do I buy any of this? I do, to a certain extent. I do believe that he was sick and that he had knee issues. He's just so injury prone. But I also believe that he got outplayed. And Marcus Gasol made such a big difference and you got to give the Raptors credit. And it wasn't all of Joel Embiid's fault, okay? The Sixers didn't have a backup center, and whenever Mike Scott or Poban Marjanovic or Greg Monroe came out, the the team was minus 22 when they were playing, and Embiid was on the bench. So it wasn't like he couldn't not play. He kind of had to play. Now, I'm not really somebody who likes to dwell on these things that happened in the past, but these kinds of experiences, these big losses are going to help Joel grow and take his game to the next level. When LeBron first played against Ben Simmons during a regular season matchup, he said something after being interviewed that really stood out to me. And this just doesn't relate to Ben, it relates to other rising stars in any sport. He says, and and I quote, I think the best teacher in life is experience. They're coaching to his strengths. And, and, And by that he means Brett Brown and the entire coaching staff. And then he says, he's a student of the game. To tie this back and relate this to Embiid, it's the exact same thing. Embiid has a great basketball IQ, 
And the only way you get better at something and accomplish whatever goal you have is to gain experience. He has a very good work ethic. His mindset, for the most part, is in the right spot. He's been focusing more on his conditioning. He's been to the playoffs twice in his first three full NBA seasons, and this will be his third year going to the playoffs. But guess what? As a Philadelphia franchise, we expect him to show up during the playoffs. And everything he talks about is just related to making himself healthy for the playoffs. It's just all about the playoffs. We're a defensive team that's just built for the playoffs. We can do really well in the playoffs. I just hear all about playoffs from his mouth. And I think that health is the biggest factor for him. If he's not healthy, he's not getting experience. And guess what? The Sixers are a different team without him. I know that he was out during the last two practices due to the right calf toughness. And as much as I'd love to see him play in a few of these seeding games, I need him to be focusing on getting himself ready for the playoffs. He's a difference maker. And the Sixers are going to need him and Ben Simmons to be 100% healthy if they even want to make a run at this. A lot of people know that, and I don't want to see any type of inconsistency out of him. Last season, he was able to hustle up and down the court, and he wasn't really slowing down or looking as fatigued as I've seen him during some points of the game this season. When it came to playing every game so far this season, you just never knew what kind of Joel Embiid you were going to get. Were you going to get the 17-point Joel Embiid, who shot 5 of 17 from the field and had only 6 free throws in the Milwaukee Bucks game on February 22nd? Or were you going to get the 49-point, 14 rebounds, and 17 of 24 from the field Joel Embiid performance, okay? It's just been an inconsistent season for him. I know that this might be a little bit off topic, but I digress, I digress. It's all related to one another, but my point is, is that we need him to be healthy and become that dominant big man who can potentially put this team on his shoulders during big time moments. Ben Simmons is someone who has yet to prove that. He's done it on occasion, but he's just not somebody that so far has been able to show that he can do it on a nightly basis. Joel Embiid has shown that he can do it on a nightly basis. But speaking of Ben, I'm not going to lie, this actually kind of made me tear up a little bit just hearing it come from directly from Joel. But the biggest thing that stood out to me from this podcast was not only that his process one shoes from Under Armour are going to be coming out in September. And my gosh, I really can't wait to see what they look like. He's actually, I think he said that he was the first center to have a SIG on his shoes and the 17th overall NBA player to have a SIG on his shoes. Oh, oh my gosh, that like got me so fired up. I can't wait to see that. But also, what he said about Ben, it just warmed my heart and it choked me up a little bit. Joel was asked about what it's been like since Ben has been taking more jump shots and shooting more threes. And he said that he was really happy for Ben, for how he's trying to elevate his game and put in the work to do that. Now, we've seen how close Russell Westbrook and Kevin Durant were when they were playing for the Oklahoma City Thunder together, it ended up not working out. We all pretty much know about the song and dance, right? In the 2015-16 playoffs, the Oklahoma City Thunder was up 3-1 in the Western Conference Finals against the 73-9 and Golden State Warriors. The Warriors came back, they won that series, and then they lost to the finals after they were up 3-1 against the Cleveland Cavaliers. And then Kevin Durant decides to leave, and Russ stays with the Thunder, Durant becomes a free agent, and not only does he leave, but he signs with the Golden State Warriors. And ever since then, there have been people who have criticized Kevin Durant 
and have called him a snake and for leaving a good team and joining forces with arguably one of the best teams in NBA history. And then people were asking Russ if they had a fallout, like how he felt and whatever. And the media was just making such a big deal out of it. Now, why am I bringing this up? What does this have to do with Ben and Joel's relationship in particular? Well, a lot of people in the media saw Russ and Katie's relationship as a brother-to-brother type of a bond. Always had each other's backs, and they stood up for one another. You even saw it during some of the press conferences, right? But with Ben and Joel, they've been criticized not only for having different types of playing styles, but also for having this odd relationship with each other that's not even close or tight-knit. But listen to this quote coming from Joel Embiid. When you think about it, we've only played, this is what, only about our third year together playing. I mean, a lot of people, they expect like we've only played for three years. And the potential that we have. And I love him. And I want to be with him for the rest of my career because I still think that he has a lot of potential. And me too. We can get so much better than we are right now. And I don't see the point of ever playing with somebody else. That quote, it, 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 still, it, it still makes me choke up a little bit, and it just warms my heart. They may do different things off the court, okay? They have their own lives, right? JoJo loves to play video games, and he has this pretty cool personality on social media. He posts so much stuff on Twitter, and even on Instagram, it's just ridiculous. Ben, on the other hand loves to play paintball tournaments with his boys during quarantine, and he loves to work out with LeBron, and he does his own thing. But when they play together, I don't see this, uh, I don't want to call it beef or hate, but I'd say a better word for that is drama or chemistry issues between the both of them. I don't see any drama or chemistry issues between the both of them. What I see from my own eyes are two legitimate young superstars who have different games but strong basketball IQs that are just trying to get on the same page with one another. And yeah, okay, the Brett Brown haters, you can kind of blame Brett for not putting either one of them in their best spots that fit towards their game. But see, basketball is a team sport. Okay, you can also blame Elton Brand for not making the correct roster adjustments and finding other players who might be able to fit in with the roster that They're trying to build around Ben and Joel. You can do that, but the players also have to execute too. It's not even just on the management, and it's not even just on the coaching. It's also on the players. Okay, the players play. Both of them are the ones who are playing in these games, and they've been trying to figure out a way to make this work for a while. But I just have to say, what this quote tells me in particular is that not only does Embiid love playing with Simmons, but they're trying to make this work. They have the same goal, and they're trying to put in the work to make something special happen for this franchise, and that is what I love about this quote. There are sports analysts and media members who are out there that tell the fans that Embiid and Simmons aren't a great fit for each other and that they need to be put on their own franchises in order for them to win a championship, and the Sixers have to trade one of them in order for them to make this work, and that they have issues with one another. And guess what? This quote from Embiid tells me that both of them respect one another and that Joel in particular loves greatness and players who are just locked in and have that mindset of we can be the best players in the NBA and try to win as many championships as we possibly can. And not only does the move of Ben to power forward make me happy and shake Milton becoming the point guard, 
but the fact that Joel and Ben are going to continue to grow more together. And hearing this quote, it just gets me so fired up inside. And I'm just so hyped. I'm, I can't wait to see this team play. Man, is this going to be fun to watch. I can't wait to talk about what happens on Saturday in this seeding game and continue covering Sixers basketball throughout the entire postseason. It's just going to be something special to watch. And I also can't wait to see Tobias Harris, Josh Richardson, Matisse Thibel, Glenn Robinson III, Alec Burks, and just the entire team play. Oh, it's just so exciting. Two more days. Could it be any sooner than that? <laughs> it will be here before you know it, and it's just something to look forward to. Are you guys just as hyped up as I am about the Sixer squad? Where will you guys be on Saturday at 7 o'clock p.m.? Will you be watching the game and tuning into this broadcast, or are you not even going to watch the Sixers play until the playoffs begin? Let me know what your thoughts are down below in the comments section. If you're listening to me on YouTube, make sure that you also like, subscribe, and hit the bell icon if you're tuning into this on YouTube. And on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Anchor, please leave me a review and email sportstalkwithjj at gmail.com so I can hear what your thoughts are on the Sixers. This is Sports Talk Today with JJ. My name is Jason Joseph. I hope you guys have a great rest of your day, and let's go Sixers, baby.